Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are connected. Thank you so much for joining us on Trinity Sunday. Indeed, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty is with us in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pray that he's with you also in your heart through faith in Jesus as we turn to his word here today in John chapter 20, reading of the work of the Holy Trinity, the salvation of mankind through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're very excited to get into these final two chapters of the Gospel of John. It's been a long time uh, coming. <laughs> it has. Um, so we're glad you're here to join us. Chip, Jason, welcome on board. What you been up to? Good morning, everybody. Uh, well. Uh, we just got back from a, a trip to the Phoenix area and had a small stint up to Sedona. And um, like I shared with you before the show, an amazing church on a, a big rock hill there. I got to pray in a really unique setting. So that's uh, my highlight for the, the cool. show today. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's good to have you back. Thank yeah. you. Chip, what you been up to? Uh, I've been up to not a whole lot, uh, a lot of work, but... Um, you know, the Memorial Day weekend, I said I was going to do nothing, and I, I lived up to that <laughs> practice. So uh, we did a little cleaning, but, yeah. but other than that, uh, and, you know, th- there's clearly nothing going on uh, on around your uh, your house. Uh, no, we're celebrating the uh, the unholy trinity in the J family now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Lord has been merciful to bring uh, Hezekiah, our, our third child, our second son, into the world. Yes. Um, yes, we have kind of been here and there and everywhere this past week has been quite, uh, quite busy. He was, uh, early, about a week and a half early. We had a scheduled delivery and, um, he decided that it was time. Yeah. And, well, uh, <laughs> and, and the cool thing, not only is this Trinity Sunday, but it's also, he's getting baptized this morning. He is getting baptized this which morning. Which is amazing. Which is a, a wonderful thing, and we praise God for the salvation that comes to us, even the, the little ones, right? Jesus said, let the little ones come to me, um, because salvation's not our work. Right. And we're going to see that in spades uh, in this resurrection account in John chapter 20, as uh, even the disciples are slow to believe um, everything Jesus told them was going to happen as it's happening. Uh, they have to have that gift of faith given to them, and that's what we're going to read about today. So open your Bibles to John chapter 20, starting in verse 1, while Chip prays for us. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that you make available to us uh, to read every day. And Lord, as we read that word, bring to mind everything that you've done for us. You were born, you lived, and you died specifically to save us from the wrath of your Father that you took on yourself. Lord, also uh, bless uh, the newest J member uh, as he is received into your kingdom, Lord, 
through your word and your word connected to the water in the holy baptism that you promised where you would be, Lord. Be with us this morning. In your name, amen. 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 All right, John chapter 20, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It says in verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now this is completely unrelated and, and maybe a terrible timing for the question, but the, starting out in verse 1, it struck me quickly. It says, now on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. It's good that that struck you. Um, is that still Monday through Sunday in the, in that time period? Sunday would be the first day of the week. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Sabbath was the end of the week. Sunday would have been the beginning, which <clears throat> would have been a new day, right? And and as we've read through John, going to John 1, all the way back to the beginning, like I told you, right, the, the, the prologue kind of bookends this. Um, John has been setting this up for quite some time, that the resurrection of Christ brings a new eternal day, right? The, the first day of new life, the first day of salvation has come. The first day of this new week, this new eternal life with Jesus. So, yes, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Why do you think she came to the tomb early? Well, anyone dealing with loss is, you know, it's like when we today even we go to the graveside or, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to be near what we just knew. Yeah. Well, I think that according to the Jewish custom, they weren't allowed to do a whole lot of specific things uh, on Sabbath, which would have been Saturday. Right. And so she wasn't able to come before this time. And to Jason's point, she was eager to probably get back to where she had just seen her Lord buried. Yeah, yeah. Um, To finish preparing the body. Right. Right, Mm -hmm. for its final burial. Spices and all the rest of kind of that stuff to, to prepare the body for its final resting place. And she came and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So there was the expectation that it would have been closed, right? How would she get to the body with it closed? Uh, they would have opened it for her. Yep, those, those that came to prepare his body for final resting place. But um, when she got there, being early in the morning, um, she noticed it was already open, which isn't right. So she ran in verse 2. And went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, which would be who? John. John, the one writing this gospel. Mm-hmm. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now you'll notice in that statement that one of the uh, uh, pronouns there kind of jumps out, right? So far we've only heard of Mary Magdalene. And she uses, we do not know. Yeah, we do not know. Yeah, and this is an important thing because a lot of skeptics in Scripture will point to passages like this in comparison to the other gospel accounts where there's more than one woman there and say, oh, look, see that there's discrepancies. You can't trust what the Scriptures say. John only says Mary Magdalene went. The other gospels say there was other Marys and other women there, so you can't trust what the Bible says. 
Well, just because John's talking about and focusing on one of the women that went there and her story doesn't mean that he's saying the other ones weren't there. Right. But it's just a, an easy way for those who want to find a problem with Scripture to try and point out a, an inconsistency, which really isn't there. And even within the text itself, uh, there's the attestation that there were other women there. There were other people with her. When she says, we do not know where they have laid him. Who's the they you think she's talking about? They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. Well, I'm not sure quite how to refer to them, but uh, the guards that placed him on the cross. Sure, yeah, that's certainly one possibility. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been the Romans. It could have been the the Jewish leaders at the time that basically were the ones responsible for bringing Jesus to Pilate. Yeah, the ones that lied and manipulated in order mm-hmm. to get him unjustly crucified also could have poor intentions on what to do with his body, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're not told who they are, so we can't really draw too many conclusions, but uh, she certainly is pointing out to us that his body should be there, right? According to her expectations, <laughs> I, I didn't come to see an empty tomb. She fully expected Jesus to be there dead in the tomb. And the only explanation she can come up with in her mind is that someone else has stolen the body. And that, that I think, is the major takeaway point thus far. Mm-hmm. And she goes and she tells this to Peter and John. So Peter went out with the other disciple And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter, which is John, and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. So paint the picture in your head because it's important that you get it. So Mary Magdalene runs back to Peter and John and says, guys, there's a big problem. Jesus is supposed to be there. He's not. They agree with that obviously Mm -hmm. they view it as an urgent situation so they're sprinting back to the tomb to see what has happened john puts in this little note that we'll get to later that apparently he runs faster than peter (laughs) (laughs) yep a little bit of a competitive uh, yeah but but then once he gets there he does make an point to say that even though he got there first and he put his head in there and he saw the clothes lying there he chose not to go in But then Peter came behind him, in verse 6, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, just like John did. So, right, John's intentionally saying, hey, look, we both ran, we both got there, I got there first, Peter got there second, we saw the same thing. I didn't go in, but Peter did go in. And and nobody should be surprised by that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if we've read anything and know anything about Peter, uh, he's ready, fire, aim. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so verse 6, he went and saw the claws lying there and the face cloth, in verse 7, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, the one that would have been on his body, but the one that was on his head was folded up in a place by itself. But the linens weren't folded up? Yeah, the body linens were not. The cloth for his head was folded up, set aside. So clearly, 
if we're running with Mary Magdalene's theory, <laughs> right. grave robbers came in and stole the body and on their way out thought, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's we, make it nice. We can't leave this place in shambles. Let's let's fold the, the linen cloths. But let's just fold <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the head cloth, right? So I, I say that because, you know, throughout history there's been the false explanation that Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. His his body was stolen. Well, this this kind of throws a wrench in it, and I think it's a direct attestation that John's making here that, look, uh, whatever happened in there at this point, there was intention behind it, right? This wasn't some chaotic situation. However Jesus' body was taken out there, whoever was in there to take it. We don't, we don't know that. We not don't. yet in the text. I mean, obviously we know, right? <laughs> but in the text, in the story, you kind of have to let that go for a minute to understand what John's saying. There is some intentionality behind this. There was something intended for us to know by seeing that. So then in verse 8, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So that that is a little bit confusing in that... It says in verse 8, at the end of verse 8, he saw and believed, mm-hmm. but then in verse 9, but they didn't understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So the question, the obvious question here is, okay, so what did he believe at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and if, if he rose from the dead, where did he rise to? Yeah, the question is, what do they believe he rose from the dead yet? What, what do they believe? It says the other disciple who reached the tomb first went in and he saw and believed. But then John very intentionally gives you this, this follow-up comment as if to say, before you think you understand what I just said, I need to remind you that at this point, as of yet, which is what that means, and you can translate it a couple of different ways, but at that point, in that moment, they still did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So then what did he believe? Someone stole it. Yeah, he believed what Mary Magdalene told him. Mm-hmm. Right? Because she came and said, someone has taken the body of our Lord. And there would be every reason for Peter and John to be like, eh, I don't necessarily think that's what happened, but we'll come check it out. Now, why would they be hesitant to believe that? If you go to the Gospel of Matthew, starting in verse, uh, I'm sorry, starting in chapter 27, verse 62, it says the next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, sir, we remember how that imposter, Jesus is who they're talking about, said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. So they're remembering what Jesus said Mm -hmm. in the temple that tear down this, this temple, his body, and I'll raise it again in three days. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. So (laughs) this is an incredible uh, turn of events, right? So the Pharisees and Sadducees give testimony to exactly what Christ said. 
This is what he said. There's no doubt about it. He said he was the Christ. He said he was the son of God. He said he was going to die and rise again on the third day. And we're going to stop it. And how are we going to stop it? Pilate, you put a battalion of soldiers in front of that tomb and put the seal on it. And that's what it says in verse 66. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, what that means is not only did they seal the tomb, but you put the seal of Caesar across that. If you tamper with that. It's death. It's death. Mm -hmm. So this, I think, is why (laughs) Peter and John may, may have been just a little hesitant, right? To say, to to come to the conclusion that hey, his his body's gone. Why would uh, Mary not have the same hesitation? What do you mean? Hesitation to what? Uh, you know, to draw that conclusion that it had been stolen. She didn't seem to be worried about the Caesar's, you know, seal. Well, because she saw it. It was already open. And if we go to the other accounts, what happened was an angel came down, shook the earth. The guards were terrified, and they ran away. So the guards weren't present. No. She, she comes to the, to the tomb. Guards are gone. It's Tombs. open. Yep. She's there. It's not light yet. Barely light, probably, yeah. <clears throat> and so this, this does not look good at all. And so you have to imagine in the minds of Peter and John, they're like, Pilate put a battalion of soldiers there and the seal there. No one is stealing the body. And you know what? They're right. No one did steal the body. But they're like, we're not going to be, they didn't want to be accused of stealing the body and opening that tomb, is what you're saying. They wanted to go and check out what exactly Mary Magdalene was talking about. I'm saying they had their doubts. And this is all going back to John chapter 20, when John says he saw and believed. What did he believe? He believed that the body was not there, that the tomb was empty. Why did he believe that, and what did he think that meant? Well, John's telling us in verse 9, that didn't mean we believed he was risen from the dead. (laughs) As of yet, we didn't understand those scriptures, which is incredible because Jesus has done what he said he's going to do multiple times. Right. Even the Pharisees, even the Sadducees, are reminding Pilate of what Jesus said. And yet the disciples who heard it many times aren't believing yet. And John tells you as much. Oh, we believe the tomb was empty. We saw it, just like Mary Magdalene said, and we believed her. But that does not mean we believed what actually happened. Something else had to happen before they would be able to truly believe and see. Well, I think we can all identify with that to a certain extent, because we've all had something happen where it's so unusual or so unexpected that it just takes us a a bit to mull it over, over and over in our mind, kind of with awe and unbelief Uh about what, what we witnessed. And our mind can't really wrap around it. Now, unlike that example, this example is purely because of what, who was to come that would sealed their belief, which is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I have had several times in my life where I've had something happen, and it was so bizarre or out of the ordinary that it just took me days to It defied to go. your expectation. Right. There you go. That's a good way to put it. And that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. They did not expect, because they did not yet believe. 
right? As they should. Right. They certainly believed in Jesus, but they did not they did not have the faith that he desired them to have yet. And he told them this, right? That's what we've been reading this whole time in his last words to his disciples. You're not going to get it. You're going to run away. Your faith is going to fail. But I'm going to be faithful to you. And that's what we're going to see happen next. So it's like a very big aha moment. Not yet. Not yet. John's, John's setting that up for us. And he's doing it by revealing to you kind of what we all say we want in order to believe. I need to see it to believe it. Well, John's saying, hey, we saw it. Peter and I both saw it. We saw stuff that defies explanation. And seeing it is not what brought us to believe. No, we couldn't see what actually was happening until we believed. So the question then becomes, how are they going to believe? I mean, that's really what you're left with at the end of verse 10. Mm -hmm. They're going back home, not understanding the scriptures. You almost get to a point of frustration because we have this in common with the disciples. (laughs) You've seen it. You still don't believe, and you're just going back home as if this didn't happen, even though he told you it was going to happen. We're definitely built with an enormous ability to create doubt. Well, yeah, we're, we're born in sin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems so much easier, though, to, to put that big doubt wall up on anything. Well, and I think it's especially when it comes to uh, the truth of Jesus Christ, because it is the truth. Why do we find it easier to believe in so many other lies and and embrace them and celebrate them? I mean, I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble, but think about all the stuff we believe that we just know is not true, but yet we we celebrate it, we teach it, we, we act like it is real. But when it comes to Jesus, there's this ever-present resistance. And Scripture would say that's because it is true. I've said this before about the tooth bu- or the, the tooth bunny. <laughs> 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 Might as well be, right? <laughs> Coming next year. <laughs> the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny, right? The the world the world doesn't get upset if you choose to to believe in those things. Why? Cuz they know it's not real. But if you believe in Jesus, the world's got a big problem with it. Why? Well, because it's the truth, and we know it, even if we don't, even if we fight it, even if we resist it. So we see that in the disciples all the way up until the day of Jesus' resurrection, right? That sinful nature, which John is picturing for us on purpose to set us up for what is going to bring faith, or who is going to bring faith into the hearts of the disciples. Well, Pastor, before we get we're coming up to the close of today's episode, and I wanted to make sure that we actually have a listener question that oh. came in about this very section. Okay. Uh, listener Travis says, when you guys get to John 27, I want to get pastor's thoughts on this story. 20 verse 7. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, John 20 verse 7. He wanted to get your uh, take on this story. He said, there's a story that when the master of a home is eating— And he gets up from the table. If he folds his napkin and places it on the table, it would indicate to the servants that he's coming back to the table. 
as opposed to wrinkling it up as a as a napkin and you know kind of indicating mm-hmm. that he's done. Mm-hmm. So Travis was just curious about what what you think as it relates to the story of Christ's napkin, his mm-hmm. the, the covering of his head being nice and folded up and put into place yep. and ordered. Yeah, and I'm assuming the implication is that by folding up the the headcloth, it would indicate he's not done. Right, he's coming back. He's coming back. Yeah, I've heard that um, quite a bit. I I don't feel comfortable saying if I can say 100% that that's historically true, I would need to do a little bit more homework on that. Um, I I would say when I've heard it, my only hesitation with that story is, what is he not done with? Because when we say he's not done yet, Christ declared on the cross, it's finished, right? So he's not coming back to finish anything. It's done. It is done. True. It's completely finished. He's he's coming back to take those who believe it's finished with him. So, you know, any analogy, right, and, and this is true in sermons and everything, any analogy or illustration we give is always going to break down at some point to explain an almighty omniscient, uh, you know, omnipotent God. You mean like... Um, ex- Explaining the Trinity with an egg. Well, yeah, with an egg or an apple or ice <laughs> right. water and vapor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's that that illustration does, however, communicate, like I talked about in the text, intent. Right? So the master, if he folds up the napkin or not, is communicating intent. And that's why when we were in the passage, that's what I always choose to focus on. Is I can't explain to you if there's some hidden deep meaning sure. uh, to the Jews because we're not told that. And I, and I try and always limit the explanation to what the Bible says, right? Um, what it does communicate and why John points that out is this is not normal. If this body was stolen... Uh, there's something intended behind it. And I think that's the big takeaway point is that it's not stolen. That's Mary Magdalene's claim, right? This makes zero sense if the body was stolen. And yet even seeing that, did he believe? Did he believe Jesus was resurrected from the dead? No. Right. So there's there's no explanation that's going to uh, to bring that faith. Like I said, that, that faith is coming from... Jesus himself, very shortly. Well, and like any good story, uh, as we're reading in the 20th chapter of John, keep reading. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anything, <laughs> your curiosity is, okay, so these guys didn't believe yet. What happens next? They yeah. just went home. What? Where are we going? Mm-hmm. So, And, and I, I think if you want to take Scripture to interpret the folded uh, napkin, the folded cloth, Christ is the head of the church, right? He, he's the head over all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... That would be something that Scripture would allow us to communicate, um, that he is the master of the table, right? right? That he is the head of all. Uh, For from him and to him, all things come and and go. Awesome. Well, Travis, thank you so much for the question. And uh, we would invite any listener that wants to ask anything, uh, send us a a text or send us, I'm sorry, send us a uh, contact form submission on our website uh, eternalconnectionradio.com or you can email connect at eternalconnectionradio.com there you go yeah. we, we love we love answering questions that lets us know you're out there Jason did you have something yes but I think uh, maybe we'll pick it up in the, the next show okay we pray our time together in God's word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ who is our Lord and Savior of the world 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.